Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everything in between, welcome back to another edition of The Ryan Show FM with your host, Ryan Brunel. And we've just got a handful of guests tonight, all of which I consider to be a huge part of the American fabric. We've got my pal Hamptons Dave coming to at least talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame ballot that's just been released for 2024. You know that he's up in arms about our boy A-Rod getting the shaft yet again. Also tonight... And this is something on my bucket list. I'm sorry. If you know me, you know that I probably sent you a meme of a particular white Jamaican artist or technically a white UK artist. And my man has bars. He's got more soul than anyone I've ever seen. He's one of the most rough and rugged raw rappers. And somehow I managed to get M.R to call into the show so we're going to get started with m.r and following that nick mack is coming to talk some basketball our new pal david potter is coming to talk some mma david potter's got a new show on amazon prime i met him covering ufc with fox sports so a whole lot of good stuff is ahead of us tonight and we're going to get right into it with m.r and unfortunately we have so much to discuss, but not a lot of time. We're on a two-hour countdown here, so be sure to follow us at The Ryan Show. And remember that this episode of the show is brought to you by our pals over at Vion. Vion is the greatest drink on earth, and if you're going to drink and drive like an idiot, be sure to call our other sponsor, Eddie Burke Jr., especially if you're in New York drinking and driving out there committing crimes and you need a lawyer to represent you, Eddie Burke Jr. is the guy. Go to 63. Go to Eddie. Go to edwardburkejr.com to learn more. That's E D W A R D B U R K E Jr.com or just call him, inquire. Let him know that we sent you at 631 725 3131. He's based in Sag Harbor but he can help you out pretty much wherever. When I got myself into a little bit of legal trouble up in Buffalo when I was a young man, he came to my aid. And it wasn't like he came up there and, and you know sat in court with me, but he found me the right type of lawyer. So he's that guy. He is him, Eddie Burke Jr. Now, without further ado, let's get M.R. in here, David Potter, Nick Mack, and our own Hamptons Dave. This is The Ryan Show FM, and we shall return. Let's go. Oh, man. Oh, man. Locks, what up? Yes, sir. R.I.P. Biggie Smalls. Yo, what y'all wanna do? Best to avoid the drama. Be Chili Palmer and play it cool. I'm a soldier from the streets. I don't make the rules. But I march like a boss. You April fools. You don't move nothing. Thumbs down. You're not a goat. That's why I never hit the like button. You need the whole game behind you to hype something. I do it by myself, fam. Get it right, cousin. Out in Brooklyn. DJ Scratch. In the early 90s, I was out in Albany Projects. Raps I was writing was built for Pyrex. Even Big Daddy Kane know I ain't half steps. Still here, a lot of you not checkmate i married hip-hop we both made a sex tape i kept your head knotting for 30 years so plain and clear your whole city need a neck brace i talk but i back it up no pun intended but i'm packing the mac and back of the acura jersey ebonics check the vernacular we kill haters i'm the ambassador of the massacre who for thought being a boss the main course this for gorillas that grew up in the rainforest change course now we all in a different porsche chain so big we all can play tug of war whether you a new Oh, I owe you. You're stagnant, cause you spit the same flow, new. Yes, sir. Every time you rap, I'm like, here we go, new. Ask me, was it hot? I'm like, for sure, new. None of y'all don't want smoke, I'm a lion. Eating the goats before I do, I gotta fry them. Walking in my shoes, you couldn't define tire. Golfing on these hoops, I'm swinging a nine iron. Fast. Let's get it. Let's get it. 
Come on, let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get hey, it. friends, we're back. But before we even get into this interview with M.R., you must know the first, mm, I'd say, minute got cut off due to latency issues. Thanks, StreamYard. But in all seriousness, uh, you know, you didn't really miss that much in the first minute. We kind of talked about cultural appropriation, in which my man M.R. wasn't having none of it. He loves the Jamaican culture, he loves Patois, respects the country. And the nationality itself. So basically, that sums up the first minute. I kind of came at him right away, asking him about cultural appropriation. Uh, but here we go. This is our interview with M.R. here on The Ryan Show FM. Let's get it going, baby. You know, when I'm doing my thing, yeah, you're going to hear a bad word. And yeah, you're going to hear a blood clot and a bumba clot and a ras clot. But it, it's not focused on that. Do you know what I'm saying? And there's definitely going to be people out there right now that are like, I've seen it already. I've seen it. Ah, oh, is this the only song that he's got? Because Turn Red's everywhere. But you have to understand as an artist, people are going to say that because it's a mass public. And there's some people like, that. Are sti- there's some people that are, are, are used to it and they've heard it a million times. There's some people that haven't even heard it yet. You know, so it's just like, it's, that's a difference between the artists. We have to keep pushing even if certain local fans in, you know, have had enough of it now or whatever. But yeah, man, we promote the right thing, man. On on Cook and Vibe, you know, we always promote, you know, it's everything from, from you know, what trees are what, what fruit trees are what, the food, the culture, the people, the place, everything, you know. So yeah, man, you just have to watch Cook and Vibe and you can you can get a kind of understanding of of, of the love for the culture and, and understand that I'm not a culture vulture because remember, say a culture vulture is someone who takes and doesn't give back. And you are certainly giving back. You're spreading the not just the lore, but the culture to other places. And just, turn red, man. It just, just goes so hard. Let's be yeah. honest. Like you got bro, yourself you know what? anger, man. It's funny, is because it's funny, man. It's really funny, bro, because it really wasn't like this honestly was the easiest track that I've ever, 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 ever put together ever recorded it wasn't even uh it wasn't even a recording session i'd done that song in 10 minutes so that was it a freestyle was turn red yeah. a freestyle Something. all right what it was was i was in jamaica and the original freestyle that went viral i had three rhythms and i'd planned some new lyrics for one of them and then we never had no new lyrics for the rest of them so what i'd done was i took parts of songs that I'd already had and lyrics that I already had and I put them together on this track so when I first start saying well Epa blood class smoking out of here that little section right up until um Shiggy wickedy slam, look up at Metallowa, time panic lang and if you're looking for your one minute man, goddamn she get the wrong man. In the original song it's a called Listen Clear. So after that it says listen to me clear. It was a drum and bass song. The Big Bumba Clark spliff section was from another drum and bass song, which I'd released. <clears throat> and that was just the lyric there. Big Bumba Clark spliff, I boss in on me head. How sexy girl I said she won't forgive me head. When me f- turn red. Gymnastic, no the pussy dead. When we day I port more, dong and I go zed. West Cumberland, Waterford, Tree West. Wake up in the morning, then also let me bless. Smoke so much weed and think an anti dread. After that, it changed. It, it was originally S9 Panda Chucky, you know, we fully, fully bad. Big, and, and, and that's what it was. And 
I just done the freestyle and I put it out there. And to be honest, I was expecting the first song to go viral because that's what the kind of drill kind of sound that I was doing was getting a lot of attention. It was going viral a lot. I was thinking like, this is the sound that's really going to work for me. So that's what I was focusing on. And um, I really thought the first freestyle out of the three songs was going to go, was going to hit more than anything. And and when it went out, it's like, yeah, that went out. But then that, that little section there, the big bomber class, and I understand why it went viral because it was the way it was done. It was it was done with a lot of good energy. Like when we said, when we the term, like I was, I was in my mode. Oh yeah, so your I, voice, your voice gets yeah. lower. Uh, yeah, right. So that was going viral. And then I, I noticed that it was that part of the song that was going viral. And these times I was in Jamaica and it was happening in Jamaica. Everyone was recognizing me. It was going, it was going crazy in Jamaica. And then I left Jamaica and I come back to the UK. And it weren't until about uh, maybe six weeks, maybe maybe nearly two months after yeah. I'd done the freestyle, and it was still going viral. And like the the, the producer and the guy who Reggae Selector UK, who set up the freestyle, it was his rhythm. He said, "Bro, we need to record this as a song, like because people are asking for it." And literally, when I I, I went to the studio. And I was like, right. He was like, you need to record it. But I was like, right, how do I record this as a song? Because the bit, the part that's going viral is Big Bummer Clark's Biff. Now, before that, on the original freestyle, there's a whole other lyrics. Them bad, them just bad. And it was like a whole thing, but there's no need for that because yeah. nobody cared about that. Nobody posted that. So me knowing that, I'm like, right, I ain't even, I ain't going to put that on it because that's from another track anyway. It's already out there. So I said, Okay, I said, you know what? I'm literally just gonna put Wally by Blood Clark smoking in the air, big bumper Clark spliff, and I had one new like the ending part. Like, me no give a fuck, I mean I give a rask. That was just like a new something that I'd actually wrote for someone, but it was it was too raw for them, so I, I left it and I literally just put it together. I recorded it in about 10 minutes. I said, all right, I'm going to put it on. And as soon as I started promoting it, saying, yo, I'm going to drop the song this Friday, just hit like a million views, over a million views. And it was just, everything that I was posting from it was just hitting a million views. You're a damn superstar. You know, it's like back in the day, you'd go to the you know record labels and they'd take one listen or one look at you and they'd be like, yo, have a cigar. You're going to go far. You just had it down, man. It, like that that moment, it was meant to be. Like that energy, it's like, regardless of what you I'm look gonna, like, I'm dude. not gonna lie. The labels, the labels have been on on my case. How does that work? Like at this point now, because you know you mentioned that you're you're still going viral. Like every single week, there's somebody new here in America. You're now like super viral in America. You had already been viral in America. I had noticed over the years a few different like right, freestyle right. videos, but Funkmaster Flex from yeah. Hot Nine Seven just posted you up. I want to say two days ago. I mean, it, it weren't just him. Chris Brown, Chris Brown posted me. Shaquille O'Neal, um, Amber Rose, you know, loads of people. So, what's the chance you can get Shaq on a remix? I feel like Shaq would destroy a remix with you, man. Uh, nah, I think I think more he's at that age and he's at that stage where it's just entertainment for him. He's nah. still yo. He's still body in verses. He's out there with. Yeah. Uh, Dave oh, yeah. Lillard putting some stuff. Yo, Shaq has been rapping now more than he has since like the 90s. 
So it is. I just reached a, I just reached a point in my career where I spent a lot of years, a lot of years chasing and chasing and chasing. And, you know, as a dancehall artist, you know, we are people that, you know, and an up and coming artist, you know, you, you message artists, you try and get their attention. You reply to their stories, you say something, you ask a certain man, oh, if you ever want to do a collab or whatever, you know, and at the time it doesn't even mean nothing. And at the yeah. time it's actually pointless you even doing it. Yeah. But you do it as artists, as you do it, because that's just how your brain works. And I spent years chasing, chasing, chasing and chasing. And it's like so much has happened this year, i.e. meeting and working with my peers and stuff. I've got to a point where, like, I know now with Turn Red, like, I'm in a different position than I was before because now you have to understand when I'm talking to artists, you're talking to an artist who's independently done three million streams. Wow. It's now not just a collaboration. Now it's a business opportunity. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so that's where it changes. So it's going to be easier to get collaborations. Um we just dropped the remix of Turn Red, the Jamaica remix. We already done a Sweden remix, but the Sweden remix was more an entertainment thing. It was the these guys from JLC from Sweden. They're like the biggest YouTubers over there. And 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 it was more of like a funny thing because he yeah. he done a post about it and it went viral. So it was just like a funny kind of thing. But that's the, that's done well as well. Um probably got like two hundred and about a quarter of a million streams. That wow, um We've just dropped the, and it's got like three over three hundred k views on YouTube. The remix, yeah. that's just the remix, you know. Um, if only you were getting paid the royalties, you know, you should get some type of compensation. Yeah, man, we, from, yeah, man, we get we get royalties, man. But for the for the viral aspect, I know that now when you put out a reel, not on, TikTok, not on Instagram, get, and tic, but but yeah. but lucky enough, I I I I think TikTok is a good platform. Yeah, I think TikTok's better than Instagram for for money wise, like to earn money. So yeah, we, you know, whatever's going up, you know, whatever I'm posting, I hit millions of views. We get paid for that. You know, now So when got, other people like Chris Brown and Shaq put it into their Instagram and TikTok, you don't get, get nothing for that. You don't get nothing for that, but you get something, you know, that's all part of like, it's like if you're building a house, right. And you know, a load of builders and you know, a load of people that could help you out. It's like, all right, he might be able to do the door frame for you, but you're going to have to buy the door. Exactly. So it's just one of them ones there. It's like, yeah, they're going to give you a load of promotion in America, but ain't going to make you no money. You have to make your money somewhere else and then use your promo and build it all together as a one foundation. Have you, know? you been to America since you've become famous? Um, I, di I did go to America just after I come back from Jamaica, after I went, after the video, the, the original freestyle went viral. I'd done my first show in Michigan. Was that years ago though? No, that was, that was just, just, just a couple months ago. Oh, just a couple months ago. Yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, I remember seeing a video it, it was, it was before ago. turn red really blew up, mm, okay. but don't get me wrong. Like I, I, I flew into Orlando and I went into like, you know, like the little tourist shops and, and yeah. stuff like that. Cause my missus is from Florida. So I thought, Oh, let me, let me buy a little something, something for her. 
to take back. So I went in there and I ended up buying the one little plant. It says like from Florida or whatever. <laughs> but as soon as I walked in, the guy working, it was like, oh, you're that, you're that guy. And then the, the, the woman who was working behind it was like, oh, come over. And then there was some next woman. She come over and she wanted a picture. And then I flew to uh, Michigan. I'd done the show in Michigan. Obviously, people knew who I was at the show at Michigan. I didn't spend much time on the roads to get recognized. But where I went, obviously, everyone knew who I was. When I was there, like someone was contacting me. Oh, when it's coming, shoot a music video. Um, so and so and 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 so there was people who knew that I was there and things happened when I was there. I was literally only there for three days. Yeah. Like and I got and I only had two full days there, like one night and in two days, and and I, and and the 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 one day I'd done the show and the next day um I ended up linking someone doing a freestyle and doing a music video. Um and then I flew back to to Washington and when I got there couple people recognized me there got to uh new york and again people recognized me there so like that mm. everybody's bumping it here in new york dude i mean all right so it's one thing this isn't to me this is definitely not going to be a one-hit wonder because your style speaks for itself your voice i mean you, no. all right May I tell you what are truth? your expectations m.r for yourself forget what now, everybody on the internet says what now, are your expectations for yourself now yeah not now is is dangerous bro for every artist and i'm not saying that there's artists there that ain't better than me at certain things but the thing is what i do nobody else does yeah so you can't compare me to no one so when there's no one to compare to there's no one in the competition with me which means i'm just gonna win and my talent goes way further than turn red i tell you that way further like there's 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 songs that people, if they really heard them right now, they'd be like, this is hard. It's hard, man. So if, with that being said, like whatever's next is, is, is who knows. And I can't speak much at the moment. I can't say anything, but there is things that are happening. Labels are contacting me. Who knows what happened in the future? whether there's going to be some backing or whatever, whatever. And if that is the case, then it's even more dangerous for people. But even if it ain't the case, like it's still going to be, you know, you're going to, you, you, I'm probably going to be the, one of the biggest artists in the whole world. And this is just the start. It just took me a long way to get to where I am now. Now when people like now I've, this song, not only you get like, three million streams and you get a million views over there a million views. what happens is you actually get followers and your shit yeah. goes up so yeah. now i've got three million streams on on spotify obviously my monthly listeners have gone up yeah my instagram i've gone from like a few months ago 63,000 65,000 to 300,000 my tiktok uh, has gone the same from like 70 80k to 370k so it's not like an extra couple thousand people are following you. You're talking about extra 300,000 people yeah. or 250,000 new people that are watching your stuff. And um, so that means when I do release music, you know, it goes out to a bigger audience. There's more chance of it getting heard, you know, with labels already noticing you now, they're probably going to be watching what you're doing next. 
So when did the journey begin? Because, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's an overnight success going viral. Yeah, that one moment went viral. But, you know, when did the the music journey really begin? When do you start taking your career really seriously? This is what I'm saying. All right. I've took my music career seriously for a good seven, seven, eight years. Yeah. But the difference is, is I've been going viral for five years. Yeah. And I've been going viral. Now, what I've been doing is I've just been going viral. I've just been going so no 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 actual songs have really hit like it's just videos there's no actual audio that's hit the public that people are streaming and listening and rare te, 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 which means there's no money being made you know yeah when you start getting three million streams when you start getting a song like that not only does money start being made is, is, is it opens up a lot of doors so thing, things are a lot different now and they will be a lot different in like moving forward as well but you had been putting music out turn mm-hmm. red is not the first song it's just the mm-hmm. first one that they you took a, a viral verse and put the machine you'd built behind it right exactly that yeah exactly so that i saw recently on your channel on the cooking channel that you took a dna test to find yeah. out your ancestry because we all know we've all seen the memes they don't know if you're white or if you're black i thought you were black i don't know what was going on you know you're so good yeah. with the patch i was like there's no way this guy's white but yeah. sure enough you took the dna test and what were the results for the audience out there that haven't seen this video what are the results yeah. of your dna test bare whiteness pure whiteness snow white pure whiteness bro but the trick was they only give you 50% of your DNA. Yeah, there's no way, dude. And this so, is, you know, this, come on. This is crazy. I said the same thing about myself at this point. I mean, come on. But that that's when it comes, because when, 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 I, when I really check it out and I really pre the situation, that's when, because things have to happen for you to understand yourself yeah, and to know yourself, to know, say, Blood clot, you know, say I am good, or that song is good, or last clot, you know, say, you know, and I am starting to realize more that I'm a very special character than is, is, I always knew, I always said the same thing as soon as I hit America, it will go mad. Like and they don't even really know about me yet. When they really know about me, it's gonna go mad because I think UK and America are a little bit different. I think UK so is a little different. bit more formal than America. I think America's like more open to the more the crazy, wacky kind of things. We want a freak show, dude. That's yeah. the thing in America, like we want to see the drama, we want to make the memes, we want right. there to be something more to it. I feel like you know, Jamaica, and I didn't realize this once again until I had a, a dear friend that's Jamaican. And she always tells me it race doesn't really matter over there. You're, no, you're just Jamaican. You know, you can be white or Chinese or no, black man. or whatever it is and still have that Patois and still you be might, as Jamaican as an person. Me, me can go to an area, brother, the a completely new area in Jamaica. And from time we reach there, they might say, I am white boy. I'm, you know, uh, where you from? And, from time to give them a talk and talk and re, 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 and they get to know me. By three days, I'm walking around like a local and nobody don't know no different. Nobody now treat me no different. Nobody don't. Just American values are off, man. American values, 
we're just looking for any type of uh, you know drama or loophole or whatever it is to start roasting somebody. So yeah. now that you are truly viral in America, the party's about to get started. Yeah, it's man. about to go down, dude. And yeah, on that man. note, we're going to play Turn Red right now on the radio for everybody to hear. We've all seen the videos, but now we're going to hear the radio clean version. I might even have to clean it myself. I'm not even sure if there's a radio clean version. I don't I know how you can I have really clean up. <laughs> I don't even know if you really can clean pussy, but we're going to find out right now. M.R. is in studio. We're going to be back very, very soon to keep on this discussion. Nobody go anywhere. We will return. She was in the chair In the bathroom It's up upon the stairs And when we step in the club Every girl a draw near Every girl a go on mad Me have the style and pattern To make the girl and go on mad She have it happy She not it sad She have it type She have it half She give the wicked slam Look up at me talawat And body long If you're looking for your one minute man God, she, she get the wrong man For both in my head A sexy girl say she want to give me when my turn red, gymnastic. No, the poop's dead. When my day I pour more tongue on a gazette. West Cumberland, no water for three west. We are up in the morning, you know, so that me bless. Smoke some more, smoke some more. Them think I'm not the dread. Come in, I give up, me not give up. Bedroom bully, make the poop's talk. Big dirty bass, don't want your fully dark, I hold it. You know it's fully dark. Stepping out the dance, laugh and a bra. They bread all me money, run my money fast. Run my money fast, meaning in a funny talk. Chick, there, everybody gone. I miss a listen to me clear. Hey, I miss a listen to me clear. If you drinking walk on, if you drinking beer, everybody gone, I just step it up another gear. Say she won't me, whisper in my ear. Very hot, gal, no, who come here? Gal, back it up. Wanna bend your spine? Grab up. Very nice time. And that was Turn Red. M.R. is a damn legend. What an honor to sit down with the guy. And hopefully when he comes to New York City, we're going to be hitting every dance hall that there is in Queens, Brooklyn, and beyond. I mean, dude, I hope you understand what you're in for your next trip to America. Earlier in the conversation, M.R. explained what it was like going to Michigan. But wait till now. Now you are a damn sensation in this country. Bro, I'm going to be honest with you. It's like, look, being famous, you have to understand, and this is what people have to understand. You understand to a certain people, bro. My check my statistics, and my statistics go from around like sort of like 16 years old to about 45. So you have to understand if I'm going to a predominantly area where it's a it's a it's a old a lot of old people, then I might not get recognized. But I'm telling you, bro, a man step in New York is a mad thing. I know that. girls about to turn red. I'll tell you that much. But the greatest thing is, I did say to myself, I've got a headline show in England on the 27th of January. What I didn't realise, how big it went in Europe. Like, Europe has gone crazy. Like, it, like, like this is through the whole world. Like, like, this song has hit hard in UK, Jamaica, like, hard. When I'm saying hard, it's hit hard. It's hit hard in Jamaica. It's hit hard in the UK. It's hit hard in America. It's hit hard in the world of Europe, Australia, Hong Kong, bare places. So 
I said to myself, Canada is a very pla- a place I've got a lot of fans in and a big fan base in Canada. So I said to myself, right, I'm going to take the headline show from London to Canada, from Canada to New York, because I feel like that's the first place that I should be, rather than Mich- other than Michigan, the first place I should be doing. So literally, bro, I'm just waiting for a promoter. I'm just waiting for someone to hit me up with the right opportunity, the right place, the right venue. Again, I don't mind whether it's a thing where they want to pay for me and pay for my flights and whatnot and pay, or whether we want to run the show like like, like with a venue. I don't mind, but it's going to happen. Oh, it is. It is. In fact, I'm going to be making some calls after this. Now, a lot of people, I'd say the, the most famous line you have is about turned in red at this point you consider yourself a sex symbol well i don't know about that my missus wouldn't say that <laughs> i was gonna say i'm gonna get you in trouble now i think about it although you are going on tour but no for what it's worth you know the, for what it's worth dude, a lot of girls are vibing yeah. out to your music yeah so that's another whole audience that you've got to reach so i had to ask yeah yeah, yeah no it's, it's 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 definitely it's definitely hit, hit with a gallon yeah man which is yeah. right but you know, I think I think everybody don't take it too seriously as a song. I think I think everybody just like more kind of like more of an entertainment and, and good vibe. Then they hear the freestyles, like other freestyles. Dude, you're like uh you're like a human machine gun. <laughs> Your voice is powerful, dude. Yeah, man. So now that you have the fame, you have record labels hitting you up, what are your expectations for your new music that's coming up? Are you trying to work with any specific producer are you gonna maybe or is it you know just dance hall at this point like what direction are you gonna be moving it yeah man it will stay the same you know the dance or and the dance or drill type of music um again i'm not really um chasing anyone down any producers down or or any artists down but hopefully we get some good collabs hopefully we get to do some music with some big producers um and yeah just greatness man just, just greatness. The next song, I'm going to try and go for the same similar sort of style as, as Turn Red, which would only make sense, you know, Absolutely. but a simple and easy thing. Now, is there, I know you say that there's no more remixes that you're thinking about right now. You're not chasing anyone down. But the Swedish remix is hard, albeit you say it was for comedy. It went hard, dude. And then well, the Jamaican actually, version. Well, well, the thing is, what you're hearing there yeah. is my remix, really. Cause you have to remember, bro. I wrote them lyrics for him. Oh, so yeah. you literally wrote his lyrics. Women said, "Turn red." Swedish man says, "You want the lead? Skin out your pussy, take fuck and give me head." That's me. <laughs> That's the whole. If you watched, all right. If you watched the YouTube episode before the actual music video, yeah. you will understand. It's a thing where he posted me. He kind of looks like me a little bit. It was just funny. We met. We linked us up. We're in the studio and I'm teaching him. And it's it's there. It's all on YouTube. It's me. I'm writing the lyrics for him and I'm teaching him. And it's it's all part of it. Wow, that's hilarious. Yeah. So what you're hearing is is me. Is a that's just great. kind of a more re, more of a remix from me, but him saying it. But the Jamaican uh, remix is a real the remix Jamaican remix some... is a real remix to uh, Iwata. He's a big artist from Jamaica. Um, he's got some songs that are hot on the road right now. Um, so it was good to work with him. That's probably one of my biggest features so far, as yeah, well. Yeah, so that's big. Iwart awesome. is a big, a big artist in the dancehall industry. To get a feature with him, yeah, that that was that was nice, man. 
Um, and I've got another remix to drop with um, a guy called Young Breda from Trinidad. Very, very, very popular over there. Oh, wow. Okay. More than 360K followers on the Instagram and running the whole place and stuff. Um, but there's some little complications that are happening right now with oh, Turn no. that I couldn't, I can't really disclose. But oh my God, I pray to God it happens, man. And if it does, yeah. Is it a Drake remix? I feel no. like that's the. No, it's not. It's not. It's not a remix. It's not a remix. It's nothing to do with a remix. Okay. It's, yes, it's a, well, it's a situation with a song and. And I don't want to pry into it too much here to get you in trouble, but you know, before we wrap things up, I need to know a little bit more about your making cooking. It's more than just the music with you. You're a true connoisseur of the culture. Recently, I was offered goat's head and chicken feet. Manish water. Yeah, goat's head, chicken feet, all these things that I had never had before and I might not ever have. What is the most underrated food that you've been experienced either in Jamaica or just assimilating into that culture? Chicken butt. What is chicken back? All right. So, you know, like when you get a full chicken. Yeah. And butchers in the UK and the US, in most areas, you chop off the thigh, the thigh part and yeah. the wing part. So you've got your two wings and yeah. you've got your thigh. Now you're just left with the chicken. And if you chop off the breast, then you're just left with the carcass. Yeah. That's chicken back. So the bottom. The, the bottom. Like that oh, bottom bit. Like you're the spine. I know you're talking about. Like the spine. Yeah. yeah that yeah, bottom yeah. bit. And like just like that round bit of like bone. Yeah. That's the chicken back. So that gets used in Jamaica. And when you curry that up and you cook that chicken back up, that bottom bit, and you chop it up and you have to clean it up and chop it up, it's a different taste. It is it's one of my favorite foods, man. Curry chicken back is one of my favorite foods. Like I will specifically actually buy it, and sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have to do it yourself because you can't get it. Certain like Caribbean areas, you can get it still. But yeah, man, chicken back. That's wow. another one. So chicken back. Okay. I've heard chicken feet, goat's head. It's mad as well, man. Chicken foot soup is mad. Mad. Because it's not like people, it's not really like, it's like people think chicken feet, but remember, say, it's not, chicken feet is just like a really strong chicken seasoning. Yeah. Like, I know enough people, like, like a couple of my bridgings, them from the UK, that are not too like with the feet. Like, they they will just <laughs> have the soup and just get this, get the foot and just dash yeah. the foot, and the rest of it's nice, man. Have, now, have you thought about any voice acting? Because you got some, you got some accents down pat, man. I can hardly even do an American accent at this point. Are there yeah. any other accents that you've mastered? No, no, no. The more accent, I just did Jamaican and the, and the English. <laughs> you never know. I had to ask. So before we go, would it be possible to get a few bars right here on the Ryan Show from M dot R? I would be just such an honor, man. Of course, man. Of course. What do you say? We don't have to. Uh, we we have to explicit, or can we keep it? Clean? Oh, you can make it as foul as you want, man. You can make it all, all right. turn red. All right. Listen. Boom. Like a rasta, you don't want beef. Man thinks he's bad, the only thing that buys him tea. I mean, nothing I'm about my p*** to them, but I ain't going to lose no sleep. Man try violate the thing. Then they are tired for weeks. Weeks. No, me need a hide and seek. Look, no, me need enough f***. Cream and get fireworks that you peak. Look, and I ain't talking about dentists. We say we are clout out teeth.
Yo, it's Peak. We have different gallery week. Look. Don't f up. Six card on the motorcade, put on the four-way flash or roll, get bun up. Yo. <laughs> A mad thing, man, and don't watch the new turn red. We soon get a new turn red remix. You see me? Wallipa gal one jumping on my bed. Wine pan your head. Wine pan the bar. Well, anyway, we go. Big pussy gal. We know who you are. Oh, man. I love it, dude. So hard. Man, I, I got to say, man, I've become a true fan of M.R. And we're going to be Appreciate bumping it, all this new music that is to come. And everybody needs to go follow not just the cooking channel, but the Vivo that's out there now. Not only yeah. is he viral, but this man's on the map. Give him his damn streams already. M.R., yeah. where can we find you performing in America or UK? What is the next live show that some of our listeners can go check you out at? So at the moment, I'm only doing one show in the UK. So if you're hearing this anywhere in the UK, you cannot catch me anywhere but the headline show on the 27th of January. I'm trying to do as much of Europe before then. At the moment, precisely, we've got Sweden. No, sorry, Switzerland. Switzerland. <laughs> Switzerland, okay. Zurich on the 23rd of December. In America, you can catch me in Michigan in April. But fingers crossed, if all goes well, you'll see me in New York. Well, you will see me in New York. You will see me in New York. And I'm not sure where else, but Michigan and New York will definitely see me April, if not before. Any program directors that are listening, contact me directly as we're setting up this damn toy. It's happening. The takeover. We're going to turn every city red. Hide your, hide your women. You know hide your sisters. Not, hide your wives. You, you, you don't conquer and really get your fans them until you reach the places. And I understand that. that You, have, you, you can't just sit on in a one place. And people, yeah, you will get fans all over the world. But you see, when you go there and connect with them, it's a different thing. The energy's yeah, different, dude, when you perform yeah. live, too. Like, especially a guy like you, man. You killed that music video, man. Respect. You making those dance moves yourselves, too? Do you know what? <laughs> do you know what, bro? Do you know what? I used to do a lot more of the dancing thing. I need to bring it back a little bit more. To be you got it, dude. The dance is hard <laughs> as hell. Unbelievable. But yeah, man. A good vibes. M.R. in studio. This is the Ryan Show FM. We're broadcasting worldwide. And at XLUK over in the UK. So who knows? Maybe some people will pop out and see you that heard you on the show it. today. We'll be back soon. Nobody go anywhere. This is the Ryan Show FM and we shall return. Everybody should get down. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Everybody groove to the music and do what you like to. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. To present my rep Lyrically deep like sleep I rock hard like Led Zepp I take steps and leave impressions On planets more complicated than life So rappers cannot understand it Talking that hardcore shit But I don't buy it Sit, I need your slice of pizza And be quiet Cause all that noise you talk Is not needed I cut heads off at the knees And leave them all defeated So stay seated Or get deleted from the program Let it be known I don't follow Cause I'm my own man With my own plan Cause the mind is infinite We got four minutes So everybody get with it Everybody, Y'all know we rock the road. Yeah, we rock the road. For the whole world. For the whole world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Check it out. Cause all my people out broke and get love. Cause all my people out queens get love. Uptown and boogie down, you get love. Straight
blow up like grenades hit worlds without shades. Hold your lighter, the Flatbush dollar cab writer. Oh, with more dangerous minds than Michelle Pfeiffer. Lay the piper, I lay the pipe just like a plumber. Went without a ride for one too many summers now. I'm out to get the cream like Carnation. Send heads home like George Bush did the Haitians. No patience, I got the habit, the fine fabric. I learned the facts of life for Mrs. Garrett. But now I'ma do it my way like Carlito. Others in sweatpants or even tuxedos. We know if this rap thing don't make loot, I take it back to 86. Stick buckets for they troops worth me. night continues here on the Ryan Show FM. Thank you for listening, folks. And before Hems Dave comes back to talk a little bit of sports, we've got more sports to discuss. And who better to bring in when we talk NBA than my pal, Nick Mack, a.k.a. Mac Daddy. Always been a part of this program, will forever be a part of this program, but has some great articles that come out pretty much on the daily over at Fadeaway World, which is an extension of Sports Illustrated. Mac Daddy, it's good to see you, brother. It's good to be back. As always, the NBA season is ramping up. The NBA in-season tournament is much better than expected. It's a beautiful, beautiful season. We're only not even quarter of the way through, so I'm looking forward to talking about it. So your thoughts on this NBA in-season tournament are different from a lot of other people out there. You know, you hear people complaining about the color of the floors and that there's not enough incentive for people to actually play as hard as they should be. What is your overall analysis of the in-game, in-season, I should say, in-season tournament, and why do you like it? What, is, what do you dig about it? All right, so I got to say first that my opinions changed on this over the last month since this tournament has kicked off. I originally wasn't for it. I didn't see a reason why I should be paying attention to something that is just making millionaires richer. You know, the only incentive for players right now is a half a million dollars. Now, for the guys on the end of the bench, that's really cool. 
that's more money than they'll see in one at one time all year than all year any game checks you know what i'm saying so um you know that part of it really and then the games kicked off the games kicked off and they got really interesting really fast guys playing hard we had close contests i think the point differential being as important as it is, has made for some really chippy moments. As we saw the other night, DeMar DeRozan didn't like it uh, when the Raptors took a late three, even though they were up a certain amount. Uh, my view on that has always been play defense till the clock hits zero. But in this tournament, that point differential separates a team like the Knicks or a team like the Kings getting in the wild card like they did last night on the last night of the tournament. You know, So that made things really interesting. And now we got four really good knockout games ahead of us. And your predictions, do you think, not just for the winner, but do you think this is something that the NBA is going to be bringing back every year? Um, I think the response to it has been better than expected. Um, I think well, a lot of people have warmed up to it quicker than expected. I do think this is something that the NBA continues to do. I think they tweak it and give some more incentives, whether that's draft picks, home field advantage, I mean, home court advantage in the playoffs, whatever it may be, they're going to tweak it. They're going to make it a little more special for the fans, but I think it's definitely something they bring back. And as for a prediction, I mean, how can you count out the Lakers right now? They're 4-0 in the tournament. They swept their group play. But other than that, in the Eastern Conference, you got two teams to look out for. Uh, of course, the Boston Celtics at the top of the conference, one of the best teams in the entire NBA. But the Indiana Pacers are a team to watch this year. Tyrese Halliburton averaging over 25 points and over 10 assists on 50-40-90 shooting splits. Absolutely incredible play from him. Pacers have been playing good, number one offense in the NBA. So those, those are my teams to watch. Now, even though the Pacers do have the number one offense in the NBA, their defense not so good. They're still the sixth seed. There's been some surprises this year, Nick. Just taking a look, a quick glimpse at the standings. So let's start with the Timberwolves really quick. <clears throat> Before we get into Giannis and Lillard, I know that our boy Damian Lillard has made a list that you've got coming out, but the Timberwolves are 13-4 and four as of today, November 29th. Would you say that this is the biggest surprise in the NBA so uh far this year? I'd say it's the second biggest surprise, but it is a huge surprise. The turn, the quick turnaround. Carl Anthony Towns back in that lineup. Remember, Cat missed, I think it was 53 games last year. Came back just in time for the playoffs, but that wasn't enough time for him to get acclimated. Now he's back this year. Rudy Gobert playing some of the best defense of his career, which is saying something for a guy that's a three-time defensive player of the year. But they got the number one offensive, I mean, number one defense in basketball. And Anthony Edwards, that kid's a superstar. And he's going to continue to butt into a superstar. He's a two-way star, plays great on-ball defense, as well as the elite scoring. So they're definitely the second biggest surprise. Now, my biggest surprise would definitely be the Orlando Magic. Did I knew that their young core, Franz Wagner, Paolo Boncaro, uh, Wendell Carter Jr., who's actually out with an injury right now, but Mo Wagner off the bench, Cole Anthony putting his name in for sixth man of the year. The Orlando Magic being 13-5 and five right now, is definitely my biggest surprise. I knew that young core was coming. I didn't know they were coming this fast. Very quickly, and 8-2 and two over their last uh, 10 games as well. So it doesn't seem to be slowing down. Do you think that this could be just a hot streak? Because this happens a lot in the NBA, where there are some teams that have a really good start and just can't continue the success and make it into the postseason. And if they do, they're not making it out of the first round. I mean, well, 
I wouldn't say that about the Magic, man, but but look at the, some of those wins. They've gotten quality wins over a team like the Celtics. They've gotten quality wins over a team like the Sixers. You know, these aren't sl- you know s- scrubs that they're beating. They're not beating up on the Washingtons and the Detroits of the NBA. They're beating up on the bi- big top-tier Eastern Conference teams, their biggest competition in the playoffs. So I think there's a chance that they do seriously compete this year. We just got to see it over the course of an 82-game season. Again, we're not even 20 games in. There's not even 25% of the season over with. There's a lot that can happen. There's injuries. There's roster moves. So like, I love what I've seen from them so far, but um, definitely something to be cautious about moving forward. And to bring it back to the in-season tournament right now, playoff basketball is just different. That's why a lot of these teams that do well in the regular season – can't really make the scratch in the postseason. Do you think we're getting a glimpse into some real NBA play watching this in-season tournament? Is it comparable to how the, the players' performances elevate in the postseason? Um, I think I think there's a correlation for sure. I think they're playing for something and otherwise, you know, games that wouldn't really mean much in, in the past. So I think there's definitely a correlation with that. But um, I also think that referees have been instructed to call these games uh, tighter. I think that, you know, they're, they're putting on the best show that they can for the fans to give the in-season tournament a better name going into the future. Like I said, once they start tweaking the rules, tweaking the incentives and, and things of that nature. And we look at, say, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Celtics, I just have a gut feeling that these guys are going to play better due to the postseason experience. I know the magic might be the three seed right now. And even if they do get into the playoffs with that three seed, I don't know, man, playoff basketball is just different, different than the in season tournament from what I've been seeing. Yeah. There's that incentive that's added there for them to play a little bit harder, but there's nothing like NBA playoff basketball, which leads me to the Milwaukee bucks, Dame Lillard, Giannis Antetokounmpo kind of off to a slow start at first. People weren't sure if they'd really be able to mesh together, but they're looking like they're going to now. However, a lot of guys on that team are taking a step back. If you look at Middleton, I think he's on a 12 points a game, whereas the Middleton that was on a championship team with the Bucks was averaging 20 points a game. So how do you think Lillard is impacting the Bucks? Not just his play going to a new team, but do you think that he's going to be adding to the level of contribution that he is now when playoff time comes around. Well, here's my thing about Middleton, and I'm glad you brought him up. I've been super disappointed in Chris Middleton for the last two years. I mean, he's been hurt. He's had had that wrist injury that kept him in and out of the lineup the entire year last year, missed the entire uh, 2022 playoffs with the Bucs. So he's been in and out of that lineup. I think inconsistency and injury is what's keeping Middleton down, not the presence of Dean Lillard. Um, Because other guys, you see other guys thriving right now. Malik Beasley having a great year for them, um, especially shooting the ball from three. And guys like uh, Brooke Lopez stepping up big as he always has. Bobby Portis stepping up big off the bench as he always has. So what I think they're really missing, what could be their Achilles heel, so to say, um, is their perimeter defense that they lost with the absence of Drew Holiday. And you bring in Damian Lillard, yeah, he's a huge upgrade offensively. But at the same time, he's a downgrade defensively. And I don't think anybody's going to argue that because Drew Holiday, one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, and he showed it on that 20, 
21 championship run like we were talking about with Middleton too. So um, I think there's definitely an Achilles heel that's there for Milwaukee. There's something to look at when you're, your wins over the last 10, they include a win over a really bad Portland team. They include include a close win over a Miami team that didn't have Jimmy Butler, didn't have Tyler Hero. So there, there's definitely things to look at in these wins. Um, but Lillard and Giannis right now, they're playing outstanding. And they're both averaging over 30 over their last 10 games. They've been incredible. They're, they're definitely hitting their stride. Love what I see from them. I also like campaign being over there on the bus. There's a few guys over there that I think are uh, are really going to play better when uh, when playoff time comes, and they're going to just absolutely start a little bit more. Um, absolutely, yeah, I love me some Cameron Payne. That was a great pickup. Uh, now, Dame Lillard has joined a list of very exclusive players, and you're talking about it in your recent article at Fadeaway World. Could you give us a a little breakdown on what makes Dame Lillard so much more special going into this week now that he's on your special list, Mac Daddy. So this past uh, Saturday or on November 26th, Dame Lillard scored 31 points against the Portland Trailblazers, his former team. And as we all know, Lillard had spent all 11 seasons of his career up to that point with Portland. Now with that 31 points, Damian Lillard became just the 15th player in NBA history, to score 30 or more points against all 30 NBA teams. So think about that. There's 15 players in NBA history that have scored at least 30 points one time against every NBA team. Guys like Kobe Bryant, guys like Tim Duncan, guys like Dirk Nowitzki, even Michael Jordan, they aren't on that list. Now, is that they're not on that list because they never got to play against the particular team that they were on. For instance... Tim Duncan never got to play against the Spurs. Kobe never got to play against the Lakers. Is that why some of these guys maybe are not on the list? Yeah, yeah. So, and then there's somebody like Jordan who didn't get to 30 in his Wizards years in the couple of games he played against the Bulls. So, therefore, he wouldn't be on the list. Otherwise, he would have been. Jordan just missed it by just the Bulls that he didn't score 30 against. And there's a ton of guys like that in the league, too, that just missed at the end of their careers. You know, the Jermaine O'Neal's, the, the guys that were – uh, journeyman towards the end of their career, I should say. Like Ray Allen was another one that was pretty close there. Um, Shaq, Shaq did it actually, so that, that's pretty cool. Shaq is on the list. Uh, the biggest names on that list, of course, LeBron James, Shaquille O'Neal, Allen Iverson, Carmelo Anthony, Tracy McGrady, Vince Carter. Your boy Blake Griffin is on that list, believe it or not. Paul George is also on that list. Um, Amari Stoudemire, and the most random name on the list for me. Even though I grew up watching him in the 2000s, shredding everybody, but Anton Jameson is one of 15 players in NBA history to score 30 points against all 30 NBA teams. I believe it. Super underrated. What surprises me the most about the list is that Jordan's not on it. You'd think that there would have been some type of historic revenge game against the Chicago Bulls when he went and played him as a Washington Wizard. I believe they didn't meet until after his big knee injury. So he was just never the same, man. He's 40 years old with a torn meniscus. Was never the same after that. Not everyone can be LeBron. What can I say? <laughs> Had to get a shot in there really quick. If you know this show, you know that Mac Daddy is the number one Jordan fan. It's either him or it happens, Dave. Who's on the way right now? But Mac, I want to thank you so much for joining me tonight. We've got a lot of work to do. And also with you as a now uh, official crew member, 
of what's going on on Fox Sports Rochester. There is a lot more Mac on the radio to come. And what would you like to leave the fine folks off with any plugs for what's going on next, Mac Daddy? Um, so everybody could go check out my work, fadeawayworld.net, at fadeawayworld on Instagram, Twitter, uh, X, if you'd, if you'd call it, and, and Facebook. Um, and then go follow me on Twitter, at MacDaddyMBA, or at NickMacMBA, uh, as I've changed officially to the professional Nick Mac. Oh, but I, always, I like but, started saying MacDaddy because it sounds like almost but, like... Hey, almost as long now. as I'm on the Ryan Show platform, when I'm here, I'm MacDaddy, baby. I love it. That's for sure. Call this man Mac Daddy in the DMs at Nick Mac NBA or NMAC413 on Instagram. Mac, thank you so much, brother. We're going to be talking very, very soon, as in like, you know, the next like few minutes when we're done this segment. But everybody, stay tuned. Hammonds Dave is on the way. We're going to be talking to some Yankees. We're going to be talking about the Hall of Fame ballot for this year. We got a lot to discuss, so you should not go anywhere. This is the Ryan Show FM with Mac Daddy, and we shall return. That's on Whoa! I jack produces too. Y'all hunter, what the fuck is up, bro? Yes, sir. Jack boy beats. Some cool out shit. Chill vibes. You know, I had to do it. Check it out. Yo, I thank God I woke up and that's my first mission And throughout the day, I pray I won't get caught slipping I tell my enemies I love you, I just talk different I walk different, understanding what autism is This is not a quiz, I'm just transparent Some days I wake up, I'm like, what the fuck I'm doing? I get confused on the purpose I should be pursuing Cause my anxiety and stress, they run congruent My God, I still worry if I'ma get rich I've been celibate, but I'm Starving for a quick fix Sir. The enemy working hard to throw me off Honestly, I came a long way From wishing I had a slit wrist yeah. Now that's progress Healing take a lot of patience I thank Transformation Nation and Rose for guidance I still throw my guns in the air Like honest, my kids the future So I ain't fucking up my commas Oh, this that grown combo That verbal intercourse Woo. When it hit the booth like Clark Then I became a hero Zero sugar, they go veggie, sumo heavy My food for thought is Eddie V's Mixed with the corn and deli yep. Everybody can relate, this that last supper Fill your plate with being humble and a hundred with it You catch a fade, fucking with my accolades I hop out the Escalade, blowing smoke in the air like new What? Hey, gun pump my waist, what you want, bro? Yeah. I got my city on my back, what you want, bro? I got Hunter on a beat, what you want, bro? I got my ears to the street, what you want? One, bro, hey, hey, let's go, hey, what you want, bro, hey, hey, yes, sir, hey, hey, what you want, bro, let's go, 92 degrees on the east coast, 98 degrees on the west coast, as we take y'all on a chill vibe with Funk Doc and Yan Hunter, Anna Sakina on the bass, baby, yeah, let's go. Y'all thought it's Jack Boy Beast, baby. <laughs> and we are back. Our study of American culture continues right here on the Ryan Show FM. And my pal, my new friend that I got to meet while we were just lit up, having quite the night <laughs> over in the Madison Square Garden area, is here with us, and he will f you up, dog. 
My man, David <laughs> Potter, is not just a great mixed martial arts journalist writing for MMA Weekly and has his own show now, Fight World Live, on Amazon Prime that you can stream, but he will mess you up. My man's a former fighter. And as you know, Dave, as I was telling you, this show is a study on the greatest parts of American culture. And to me, MMA is a huge part of it. So let me put my paws together for you, brother. Welcome to the Ryan Show oh. FM. Thank you. I'm honored to be here and honored to be joined by the great Ryan and my new buddy, my new uh, bar brawler partner in crime. And, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's a pleasure to be on the show. I've been watching a lot of the clips. Uh, the Ryan Show is where it's at. So it's an honor to, uh, to be here. Dude, you're where it's at, man. I mean, I appreciate someone that knows how to go out and have a good time, man. So right away, we had something in common. Open bar, ESPN. By the way, a lot of people think we have beef with ESPN over Fox Sports Radio. Not anymore. Now that Not they anymore, pay for no. copious amounts of drinks and unlimited <laughs> amounts of chicken wings, they're on my good side. And we almost broke out into a fight downstairs with a, a rival journalist. I mean, come on, man. Come on. I come on, man. Dude. We're buddies I, for life now. That's how you know you're lit up. I had my hand on the glass. I was, like, ready to pull, like, a Goodfellas and just smack somebody with whatever was in my hand fighting MMA journalists. Because just like you, you never know who can actually fight. I'm not going to find out. I'm grabbing whatever's in my hand or <laughs> close by me at this point. There, there, there are probably two journalists that I know that actually do mixed martial arts. And it's so funny because we were about to get in that fight and the guy's like, we don't do that here. I'm like, that's very ironic because we're all covering mixed martial arts. You guys are expert swimmers and I ever took a dip in the pool. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, we don't fight here. Okay, we just talk trash on the internet about fighters. Okay, got it. You know, but nevertheless, I digress. Uh, I love all journalists. I love every single media outlet, including The Ryan Show and my new best buddy. Yeah, man, I'm not even sure if I'd be, I'm definitely not a journalist. Media outlet, maybe somewhat. I wouldn't even consider myself that. But yes, there are a lot of dorks in media. I'm not going to defend any of them. I'm just going to be ready to strike them with whatever's in my hand, like I said. But there were some good cats out there. Those oh, last yeah. two days that we were there. UFC uh, 295, what an event it was. I mean, this is no new coverage for you or no new experience. I'm just getting my feet wet with going to these live shows with the press passes, but what an event to be at. I mean, what are your overall thoughts? Do you think that there were any matches that were a surprise wins to you? Because it seems that everybody that I thought was going to win, except for my boy Matt Favola, ended yeah. up winning. Were there any surprises that took you off guard? Uh, besides Matt Farola not winning, which killed my buzz for the rest of the night. Like I was in a good mood, happy mood. We had plans after the fight. As soon as he lost, you saw your mood drop, my mood drop. I, I was going through depression. I was upset. Like I was, yeah, I was going through it, man. I was going through it. And Matt Farola is probably the nicest guy on the planet. And we, we love him. So obviously, you know, we wanted to succeed and, and shout out to his opponent. Congratulations. But you know, we're, we're steamroller. We're we're on uh, bandwagon steamroller. So obviously, it just drained the light from all of us. We're like, yeah, maybe we should hang out another time. <laughs> you know, but that was the only thing. What gets me, and this is something I'm not used to as well, is being friends or knowing somebody that's in a professional fight. Normally, I know yeah. guys that are past professional fighting, and I've had them on the show. They're retired, but having to watch somebody you know get kicked in the face like that, it just doesn't sit well with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's the biggest part of separating personal from business. And because you get to know these guys, these guys are talking to you confidential. They're giving you your com their confidence. They're telling you stuff that you're, you shouldn't really know, because at any point in time, you can just release it and you know get some clicks. But they trust me because I'm not going to, to pretty much rain on their parade or kind of spoil their party. And I'm not going to break news. And, and you know, like you, you get to know these guys and you get to 
you know, learn about their families and learn about how they got into the sport and how much they had to struggle to get into the sport. And, and you root for every single one of them. And it's more of a conflict of interest, especially when you have two fighters that you know personally and you actually like and respect and they're both fighting each other. You want both of them to win. So that's the biggest challenge about being like a personality or working in the MMA space is because you, you love everybody. You learn to love everybody and you want everybody to succeed at one point or another. But, you know, that's, that's the rules of the fight game. In a fight, only one person succeed. If, you know, if uh, the judges are blind you know, and they rule it a draw, uh, nobody, not, only one person can succeed in a fight. So, you know, that's uh, the biggest conflict of interest, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's a good point. So you mentioned uh, a little earlier that there are not many MMA journalists who have actually stepped foot in the ring and fought. You're one of the few. In fact, you're the only one that I know. That has experience. And they have great success. Those that do, right? Logan had some experience, maybe not with MMA, but some of the ones that actually understand fighting seem to be doing the best coverage. Was this something that you always had planned? Was to start um, in journalism as you were an actual? Yeah. I, yeah. And, and I preface this where I always wanted to be in the MMA business and combat sports business since I, as young as I can remember, I fell into it. I was sitting in my mom's lap watching ESPN classics. Shout out to ESPN who always takes care of us. Obviously us now, it used to be me, but you know, us. But um, yeah, I, I'm sitting in my mom's lap watching uh, Muhammad Ali versus uh, uh, Joe Frazier fight of the century from Madison Square Garden. Sitting on her lap, watching that fight. And then my first video game I ever got was Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. I cried when I saw that VHS tape. And I remember being four or five years old, the first memory I remember is watching Buster Douglas knock out Mike Tyson. Like Mike Tyson was a huge inspiration for me growing up. Uh, I watched the first UFC uh, when UFC went underground, went to WWE because I saw all my favorites there, like Mike Tyson, who was recently suspended, and Ken Shamrock, Dan Severin. And, uh, yeah, I fell into the uh, the pro wrestling thing. And then uh, Pride started blowing up in Japan, and my favorite, res my favorite wrestler in from Japan, Kazushi Sakuraba, was also fighting. And he was the first guy that made Hoist Gracie, uh, who was, you know, UFC, the first UFCs were a big infomercial for Gracie Jiu-Jitsu because it was style versus style. And, you know, watching... Kazushi Sakuraba essentially be the answer to the problem that was Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. So I fell into pride and fell right back into mixed martial arts. Uh, and then not that I ever left, but really got uh, big deep into it. And then uh, Zufa bought the UFC. I started watching uh, the, the new product, the new UFC product on, um, uh, on uh, you know, when uh, DirecTV came back with uh, UFC 33 victory in Vegas when they came back to pay-per-view. So I was watching UFC. I was watching Pride. I was tape trading. So I was watching Pancras. Smack Girl, all the different promotions from all over the world, uh, King of the Cage, uh, you know, Gladiator Challenge. So I was watching all those promotions, pro wrestling, boxing still. So I was watching all these uh, martial arts, all these combat sports, learning about all the intricate details. I was also a big wrestler growing up. I, I wrestled since I was seven years old. So I was still sticking out, uh, still staying with wrestling and watching Olympic wrestling. And I was uh, watching the competitions in judo and taekwondo. And, you know, I wrestled and boxed uh, and I started doing jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai. And yeah, I, I just knew I always wanted to be in the MMA business. I didn't know how. So my guidance counselor said, there's no money in cage fighting. I'm like, okay, we'll see about that, Stevie Wonder. Let me, let me see if I can prove you're wrong. And that's, that was, I remember, junior year of uh, high school, it was 2004, and I, I made my mission in life to be a part of the MMA business. And whether it was a fighter, whether it was a commentator, announcer, uh, media person, uh, journalist, 
uh, uh, sponsoring events. I sponsored fighters or doing our show on Amazon Prime, which right now is number four ranked on Amazon's top 100 sports fan shows in the world. I didn't plan any of this. You know, I just kind of fell into it and I'm like, okay, uh, you know, I want my cake and eat it too. I want to do all the things that all encompassing of the MMA business and combat sports business. So, yeah, that's how I essentially fell into it. Well, that explains it. It's, it was meant to be, you know, to have those yep. dreams. I love having people on that truly had that vision and then did whatever they had to do, executed to the point where they're actually where they wanted to be. Oh, so yeah. Oh, yeah. You mentioned these yeah. old school fights back in the day, the UFC fights, while it was style versus style. I loved it, man. It was like watching Street Fighter in real life. And there were some really outmatched opponents. And it's great to see how MMA has evolved into what it is now, where it's actual mixed martial arts. And you, you need to have a little bit of everything in order to really succeed, it seems. But is there a chance that we're ever going to see a fight promotion be created that is an old school version of what UFC was, where it's wrestling versus Taekwondo? Or do you think that the sport itself has evolved past that point? I think it's evolved past that point. Uh, I think you need a little bit of everything and, and be an all-encompassing fighter in order to succeed. And I think, uh, you know, fighting promotions, I think the closest thing to doing it is uh, Game Bread, which is bare-knuckle MMA. That's the closest thing we'll get to the original UFC. But even those guys are all-encompassing mixed martial arts. They have styles and everything. Like, they're, they're practicing boxing. Uh, they're a jack-of-all-trades and a master of none. You know, wrestling, boxing, taekwondo. BJJ, they're learning everything that encompasses a fighter. So the closest thing we'll ever get to that, like old school MMA, would probably be uh, Gamebred, which they have a fantastic uh, promotion. Shout out to Jorge Mazadal. And uh, yeah, and maybe bare knuckle boxing, but bare knuckle uh, BKFC. And shout out to Bernie and uh, all those guys over there. Uh, Nate Shook, who's one of the best matchmakers in the game. Uh, it's only stand up and clinching. And, you know, it, that's going to be the closest thing we'll ever get. But we'll never get back to the time where it's going to be one style versus one style. Everyone's going to be a hybrid athlete. So, that being said, has the mixed martial arts sport evolved so much that some of our favorite fighters from back in the day, you mentioned Ken Shamrock, the Gracies, would they get their asses kicked in today's version of UFC? You, you got a preview of it. Um, Ken Shamrock uh, was considered a throwback and one of the originators in combat sports. He came back uh, from his WWE stint. He fought against Alexander Otsuka in Pride. He won. And then he fought against Kazuyuki Fujita. And Fujita just stuck in there. And Ken Shamrock gassed out. Like, holy crap, I'm hitting him with my best Sunday punch. And I can't knock him out. And Kazuki Fujita was actually a protege of the great Antonio Noki. Antonio Noki, who was in the first really big mega fight, super fight, uh, versus uh, Muhammad Ali in the Tokyo Dome in the 70s. So, um, yeah, and then Ken Shamrock went uh, to back to the UFC and fought at UFC 40 victory in Vegas. I know, uh, 40, UFC 40 vendetta against Tito Ortiz. And that was a big rivalry ever since Tito Ortiz beat Guy Mesner and started beating up all the lines then, guys. Uh, and that was the first time that the UFC actually drew a profit. You know, that was the first time that they actually made some money and was in the green. Um, and Ken Shrenlock brought his uh, MMA, uh, his uh, WWE fan base in order to uh, get those buys. Um, but yeah, uh, Hoist Gracie fought against Matt Hughes. Got his butt whooped, you know. It's I I don't think any of the uh, the fighters back in the day, and as much as we respect them, and uh, trust me, I do. I don't think with the the way the sport is evolving, the fan is evolving, the athletes evolving. I don't think any of these uh, these fighters will uh, be able to stack up, even if they were in their prime and 
pretty much took went to the DeLorean, got into '88, and came to present time. I do not think they would uh, they would last very. Uh, it would do very well against a common uh, mixed martial artist who is a hybrid athlete, not just one style. I mean, we look at guys like John Jones that have been in the UFC for a really long time, and the game kind yeah. of evolved with them. Do you think we're going to be saying the same thing in 20 years from now that guys like John Jones wouldn't be able to put up a fight against some of these future fighters? Is the game evolving that quickly? Oh, yeah. And, and in every single style that I mentioned that people are practicing with their sambo, uh, judo, jiu-jitsu, muay thai, boxing, um, you know, rest, wrestling, the, the best technique, the, the, the world-beating technique, that, that widow-making punch hasn't been learned yet. You know, and everyone's going to be striving for perfection. Everyone's going to be striving for that one uh, uh, doomsday finisher move. Everyone's going to be trying to perfect themselves to get that one knockout punch that puts somebody's lights out immediately. Everyone's going to be practicing and training to be perfect. And as long as the perfect moves and the perfect skill set and the perfect fighter hasn't been created yet, everyone's going to be striving for that. Therefore, every single fighter, every single generation is going to be better than the next. So I don't think, I think John Jones is going to be an afterthought. No offense to John Jones and I love him. I met him. He's great. But I, I think he's going to be an afterthought in comparison to the fighters uh, 20 years in the future. That is wild to think about. So who's the closest that we've seen so far to being the greatest fighter, in your opinion, and to maybe having that one punch? Is it Bruce Lee with that punch <laughs> that he had? Who is it? Who, who do we have to look, to look at right now? Yeah, as much as I love Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee was an actor, uh, and his uh, fights, you know, he hasn't fought in the UFC, so I wouldn't make the, he's the great Bruce Lee, you know, I, I can't, uh, I can't argue with that, um, but yeah, I, I would say the closest we get to the, the best fighter, right, like the GOAT of all time, as of now, today, I would say, I have to say John Bones Jones, I think he is the perfect athlete, I think Father Time's undefeated, and he's slowed down considerably, that's why he went up to heavyweight, to pretty much match, match, the fact that he slowed down a bit. So fighting in a division where the tempo is a little bit slower and more methodical and he put on more weight, more muscle mass so he can match that, you know, as he's slowing down it, as he's growing older in age. But I, I would say from uh, beginning to end of a career, I would say John Jones is probably the, the greatest right now that we have. But once again, we haven't met the greatest fighter of all time yet because 10 years, 20 years from now, we're going to get another incredible athlete that's going to come down the pipeline and he's going to set the world on fire and, uh, you know, pretty much make whatever we say on the show, who's the greatest of all time, be irrelevant. Is there a move, a particular move that you'd say is the, sh the best punch that you could possibly throw or the best kick that you could possibly throw? Who is it that possesses that move and skill set? True, true. So in Mortal Kombat 1, if you hit a certain butt button combination, Liu Kang will drop down with an arcade machine in the finish him, and then, yeah. Besides that, there, I, I can't name yeah. the perfect move or the – everything has a counter. Like everything yeah. – and I always uh, talked about this when I was explaining martial arts and trying to keep it simple, stupid, to yeah. my friends and my buddies in high school that never even watched it. Having one style is like a paper with holes in it, and you have to have another style to cover up those holes. But that, that, that piece of paper has holes in it, so you have to get another piece of paper. And that's why you keep stacking on those papers, keep stacking on those styles, and keep learning new things and new techniques. Uh, Anderson Silva was a uh, big advocate in this and learning from everybody. I mean, he learned from Steven Seagal, for, for God's sakes. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like oh, he, was, he was willing to learn from anybody. 
because he knew the perfect move, the perfect style did not exist. Like Bruce Lee, we just mentioned. Uh, Bruce Lee, one of his last movies was The Game of Death, where he was going from floor to floor to floor to floor and being those one-style fighters because he wanted to stress to people that the best fighting is uh, the best fighting style is having no fighting style, is being that complete hybrid athlete. And Bruce Lee, in that respect, was light years ahead of his time. But you know, there's uh, there's no perfect technique and there's no perfect moves, and that's why everyone's striving for that, and that's why the the sport has evolved so much, and that's why it's the fastest growing sport of all time. Would you say that? And this is, you know, I, I wish that we had some more time here, but I got to know, a lot of people are trashing Bruce Lee these days. And as you, I don't know if you see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he gets thrown against the oh. car. They made, made a fool of my man, Bruce Lee. I mean, how much truth is it uh, to these new, I guess you'd say, opinions that are out there that he's not really able to fight in real life the way he was on camera? Um, we'll never know because he's never been in a UFC competition. He's never been in a straight mixed martial arts in the cage. I think the first preview got of that was uh at the beginning of bruce lee under the dragon where he's wearing the mma gloves and he applies the submission and makes the guy tap out that was the first and, and by the way in the 70s everyone was you know rolling up for the mystery tour you know what i'm saying so everyone was baked like a christmas cookie so i think nobody knew what they were watching but that was the first like mainstream kind of glimpse into the future we got a mixed martial arts but um, yeah, I Bruce Lee, I'll, I'll never know, but I'll never doubt anyone that says he's the, the best, the best dude or was the best dude on the planet because we'll never know. But, you know, all, all the respect to the, the Lee family and all respect to Bruce Lee. He's an in, innovator. He's a pioneer. He's a martial arts uh, expert uh, and his Jeekwondo and his art of style and his philosophies still resonate to this time. I don't know about his uh, fighting record or anything like that, but. His, his legacy will always reach more and more mixed martial arts and be a uh, constant source of inspiration to fighters that are stepping in the game, both young and old. So, Let's move like water. Move fluid. Be like water, my friend. Be like water. That's it. Be like water. I love that. So <laughs> you now have the, the, what is it, a top five fan show on Amazon Prime, man. Top four. No. I'm sorry. Four. Four. Dude, you're moving up the ranks. So what do we have to look forward to when we go to Amazon Prime? I need to know a little bit more about the show. Let's get a good preview for the listeners out there. Well, when a man and a woman love themselves very much and they want to be close to I'm just kidding. But <laughs> with the, with our show we just launched in May, uh, we have uh, the Weekly Bus, which is covering all the spectrum of bare-knuckle fighting. And we have great guests on there like uh, Christine Ferreira, who's a world champion. We've had uh, great guests on there. We also had Fight World Live where, you know, we had uh, Mance Taylor, who is the owner of Misfits Boxing, who just did 1.3 million buys with Dylan Dennis fighting against Logan Paul and KSI. He's a business partner of KSI. So we have Mance Taylor on there. We have Randy Victor, uh, Chris Lieben. Uh, we had uh, Anthony Preboy Taylor, who's the Misfits Boxing World Champion. Uh, we had a great lineup of guests, Jessica Penny, uh, Angela Hill, who is the first African-American woman to be in the UFC, but also main event a UFC card. And uh, shout out to Angela Hill, a good friend of the show and a good friend of mine. Uh, yeah, we, we had all a bunch of guests. It's hosted by myself, Jake Hatton, who at one point in time was considered one of the best fighters in the world, and Gabe Rudiger, UFC veteran, and BJJ Blackfelt. Uh, yeah, and we have a lot of guests in the pipeline. We had a huge launch. So we had like a soft launch starting in May. We went gangbusters with it. We got, we're now neck and neck with CBS Sports. And now we're going to have a huge launch the week of UFC 296 with a big watch party, a launch of the website, which will have articles, news articles, a bunch of t-shirts, merch, 
that we'll be launching. And yeah, well, you know, we have a great group going. We're going to be covering UFC, PFL, BKFC, WWE. Uh, you know, if you tell me to do a rap event, I'll be more than happy to be your hype man for that event. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we, we cover everything. And uh, you talk about lifestyle. Nothing encompasses the American lifestyle quite like combat sports. It's universal language. People know how to fight before they know how to walk. They know how to defend themselves before they know how to talk. This is a universal language, and that's why it's so ingrained in the DNA of American culture. Truly is. Even having two sons, I'm constantly having them beat the crap out of me and vice versa. <laughs> I'm not even fighting like that. And automatically, <laughs> it's just like instinct. I don't know what came over me the other day. I'm sitting in my kitchen. I'm just walking through the kitchen, like, you know, trudging through the kitchen. I said, I'm the greatest fighter on earth. Instantly, both boys just start punching me, just charge me and attack. <laughs> It's just See in what the I mean? DNA. It's in the human DNA. To yes, fight. sir. Dave, it's such an honor to have you here, but this is not going to be the last time, dude. I mean, we're oh, going to no. be having you back frequently on the Ryan Show of them, the most important on Fox Sports Rochester, as our top MMA analyst, because you really know what the hell you're talking about. Everybody needs to go check out my man's show immediately. Go to Amazon Prime. Fight World TV is where to look for it. And I imagine, you, dude, also I got to say before we wrap things up, you're making some funny-ass videos, dude. You have me cracking up with your wheels. Is that you photoshopping all those videos, doing all that work? All me. All me. Giving me Adobe. Give me Adobe Photoshop, and the entire suite was a terrible idea. But, uh, you know, we're getting we're getting views, so, you know, mazel tov. <laughs> it is truly funny stuff. Go to David Potter on Instagram. Just look him up. Go to the Ryan Show. I'm sure that you can see that I'm following him. It's easy enough. Everybody, thanks for listening. We're going to come back with Hams Dave and talk about the Hall of Fame ballot for Major League Baseball. Like I said earlier, my man Hams Dave is pissed about A-Rod possibly getting shafted again. So nobody go anywhere. This is the Rancho Off at David Potter's studio, Ryan Vanilla studio, and we shall return honky-wonky. Let's go. Rise the man. <laughs> Hello, friends, and all of those that are tuned in. We are back, and out goes our favorite Jamaican folks and pretty much almost Jamaican folks. And here comes another guy that could have fooled me. He might just be Jamaican <laughs> as well. Hampton's Dave is back up tonight's show and yo we've been talking dude we got to put out it's we've been doing the show for so many years now we've got this high resolution video content so we just got to hit the topics that people want to talk about and we're not going to do it we're going to talk about mlb the something that people hate these days for some reason baseball has completely been cast to the side we're still bringing it back look both of us are yankee hats on here always and the hall of fame ballot is out and we're going to be picking some of our favorite baseball players, which we think should be back. So according to the internet and everything we've read, I, I heard that there's some players that are going to get a second shot at it. They say there's a 10-year uh, limit to being on that Hall of Fame ballot. They but have to do They have to do some type of asterisk like ballot. They have to do something. How for the, the that's the whole thing, Dave, is that there are so many different variables besides just steroids that have affected the game throughout yeah. history. You weren't even allowed to be black in the MLB, let alone steroids. I know. So there's a lot of different players that you can look back on and put that asterisk there. Asterisk there. Uh, but in terms of this ballot, they're reworking it, or at least that's what the MLB commissioner is trying to do, is change it so that some of these guys that were left out and when steroids, steroids was way more hated. I think people are finally starting to realize how great they were, especially now that baseball is so boring. Yes, and also I think a lot of people are changing their views because when it first happened, they thought it was like 10% of baseball. I don't think they knew that it was maybe like 
85% of the players in baseball. That may be high, but I I really don't think it's that high. I think I think steroid was like in the 90s, 80s to 90s to early 2000s. I think you're looking at like 85% of the league was dabbling in at some, you know, whether taking the pills, whether injecting, like. And I it's mean, all- if, if power was a part of your game, you would be crazy not to use steroids. Just look at Barry Bonds, who was skinny as a rail, still having 40, 40 seasons, but getting overshadowed by these guys that were hitting 60 home runs, even though he was the better ball player. But if you think about it, everybody that should have done steroids did do steroids. Yeah. Right, like think about the little guys like Tony Gwynn. He didn't need to be on steroids. Greg Maddox didn't need to be on steroids. If you're Roger Clemens and you're trying to throw the ball 100 miles an hour, you better be on steroids. Chicks dig the long ball. Classic commercial. Yeah, <laughs> and that was like Tom Glavin. And that was that Braves team. But I mean, just look at like the MLB should honor these guys just for the amount of money that they brought, and the like. That was need to watch TV. Baseball is not this is this World Series is like the lowest viewer viewage of a World Series ever. Like nobody wants to watch those two teams play. Like if it's not the Dodgers, if it's not if it's not the Yankees, if it's not the Mets aren't gonna be in there, like the heavy the big markets. Who's really turning on? I didn't watch it once the, I mean I'm very biased to my Yankee fandom. But, like, I used to check in still and check in what was going on in the playoffs as the Yankees weren't playing. But, I mean, back in the day, it was like I would run home. There was no internet back then, so I couldn't check Instagram. I couldn't check to see what Mark McGuire did or Sammy Sosa did in that home run race. It was like I had to go home and watch SportsCenter and see what they did. And, like, to me, that was, like, must-see, must-see TV. And it was baseball. Now baseball is, like – I mean, take records it or leave it. Records are just held more, or I guess baseball, the records matter more. And you want to see them broken. There's nothing like in any other sport like a home run race. You know, you see like quarterbacks, say that say the touchdown record for uh, a season is broken. That's not must-see TV. No. But we witnessed it even with Aaron Judge, him even breaking the 60 That was mark. turning into somewhat must-see TV. That was must-see TV because it's a home run race. I was at and- the stadium and it was packed out packed out that's the point that, though like like good pitching is not must see yeah. tv a, a perfect game maybe people will tune into but there's just something about the long ball damn it like you said a home run might be the most exciting thing in sports and it's also the hardest thing to do is to hit a home run really in any sport when you think about it domingo herman he had a perfect game or a no hitter he had a perfect game i actually watched and I, that I, and it's already out of my mind like i knew he had a, a perfect game or a no hitter but like it's oh. already like he knocked a few minds around that might have caused that for people to forget. No, but still, it's just like, I, you know, I don't remember. Like, I remember that they had good games. Like, Burley, I don't think – Mark Burley never had a perfect game, but I think he had, like, two or three no-hitters. You know, like, I remember those, yeah. those, but I don't remember exactly. Like, I remember – I feel like he did. I feel like, I feel like Burley did have a perfect – but I see what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Like, like I the remember whole- the home runs. Like, I remember the home run race. I remember the hit. Like, Jeter – Breaking the hits, I remember that. Must see TV. That home run race back in 1998. Must see TV. Definitely. So, and that's what saved baseball. They can't say it was the Yankees winning all those years in a row because besides us, people hated that. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now that hate the Yankees. Like, there's like things that were like must see entertainment TV. The Attitude Era Raw was like 
had to get home and watch that. The home run race, like you had to check every day. You had to go and check what Mark McGuire, what Sammy Sosa were doing. Like it's just certain things that like, and it was in the nineties. And it's just like, they have to be in the hall of fame. There were players in sports that were must see TV back in the nineties and are still right now. Like Michael Jordan was always must see TV. People knew what they were witnessing and knew it was greatness. It wasn't necessarily a record. It was every second was almost record-breaking. But, yeah, you know what it is, Dave? You, you said it earlier. You can just go on the internet now and watch highlights. You yeah. don't even have to watch just Sports Center now. You can just sit there five minutes after a play happens and watch the replay, commercial-free, from right every on, angle. Go right on Twitter or on Bleacher Report. They have, within three minutes, they have the last out that was made in that play, in that game anything they tell you everything like back when we were young i remember having to go home and like what did sammy do because i was always sammy sosa more than mark mcguire i was always rooting sammy of course you were i bet you hate him now though no nah, i love him no matter what his skin color is <laughs> that being said <laughs> i do feel like the way that we view sports has changed in general so much that it's hard for baseball to keep up with it Basketball found a way to kind of evolve with the use of cell phones to watch the game where you can just basketball basketball evolved because they turned it into a star driven league. Yes. Yes. You, you will recognize the stars. Like I guarantee Mike Trout walks down the street of New York city. He's the best player in the last 10 years, probably maybe 70% of people are going to know who he is. If LeBron James was to walk down the street, There'd be a. It's also um, a more striking character. I mean, you know, when you see somebody, that that is true, though, for sure. And matter of fact, when you think about this, I was thinking about today, thinking about the NHL. I couldn't name you one player except for Alexander Ovechkin. That's still playing. That's bad. I'm doing Fox Sports Radio every week, but that just shows how little the exposure goes on to an NHL's major market. There's video games. It's like in every white household. Is the NHL. people that know hockey, the people they they love hockey, they follow hockey. Yeah. Me, my favorite part about the NHL is the lockout. <laughs> yeah, there's no casual fans of that. But I will say it's fun to go to a hockey game. Yeah. It's fun to pretend you care when you're there. Especially what I what I was saying about Mike Trout and LeBron James. I know yeah. LeBron James is a much bigger polarizing figure. It's that the NBA feeds that. They yeah. feed into their stars and they put them in the limelight. The, the MLB yeah. does not do that. Does I mean, they're not, not wearing that. helmets either. That's another thing. But also, I, if if Mike Trout was in New York doing that, it'd be a different story. Like, Judge is a polarizing figure because he's in New York also because he does what he's he does. Huge. But he's six the, foot eight. And that's, league, what I, that's what I mean. Is that these that's guys the are... difference in the leagues. And I think yeah. they're, they're too heavy on tradition, which is my problem with baseball. It's like, I don't care about what my grandfather watched. I love Murder's Row Yankees, those teams, the fact that they won every single year. Like, I saw Joe DiMaggio's, like, years he won. He won, like, six years in a row. <laughs> Not six years in a row, but then he went and joined the Army, came back, and won again. I don't care. I care about A-Rod, though. A-Rod needs to be in the, in the Hall of Fame, which oh, is really this whole argument that I'm making for the Hall of Fame. Yeah is Barry Bonds and Alex Rodriguez need to be in the Hall of Fame. That's the whole point, is that these guys that were must-see TV, that literally saved baseball, and I wouldn't even put A-Rod in that conversation, No, but definitely Mark McGuire, definitely Barry Bonds, 
and definitely Sammy Sosa. Bonds was better was than race. all three of them, though. Maybe, maybe as a, and I was definitely not yeah. better than Bonds. I wouldn't. Put, was, I love A Rod. A Rod was not better than Bonds. He's better. Alex Rodriguez was. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. I'm right, talking Bonds pre is, and post Barry steroids. Bonds is my favorite baseball player ever, but I, I don't know. A Rod is. Before we even get to the Hall of Fame ballot here, because that was the whole point of this conversation to see who should be allowed in the Hall of Fame, who's on there for ten years later. We were going to get to A Rod. We're going to go to a quick break before we do. I need the argument here. Why is A-Rod better than Barry Bonds? I just think he had years. His best years were better than Barry Bonds' best year. But I guess maybe not. Barry That's Bonds crazy. Did, this Barry is Bonds. not factually true. Barry Bonds' stats, I want to say the years yeah. 2001 to 2004, will never be yeah, replicated never. again. I take that back. Thank you. I take that back. I, I just. Love, I know you love A-Rod. I love, I love A-Rod, A-Rod, too. We're, as we sit here in our Yankees' hands. I love Bonds, I, too. But just to give some clarity here on how good he really was in 2001, Barry Bonds hit 73 home runs, walked 177 times yeah. to a 328 batting average with a Three. 515 slugging percentage and an OPS of 137. Yeah, 137, which is like crazy, which is insane. Yeah. Won the MVP four years in a row, starting that year. The next year after that, he didn't hit 73 home runs. He had 46 home runs, but he bat 370. <laughs> it's insane. I love that. It's you insane. What, and you can't you know say that steroids. When someone's yeah. hitting 370, that does not have anything to do with steroids. You know when I knew Barry Pops was the best player? When he was the best player in Ken Griffey Jr. baseball. Right? Which and he was. Was like, he was like hands down the best player in that video game. It was either Bonds or Griffey, yeah. but if you knew, you knew. Bonds had the better pre, stats. That was pre. He was juiced. Yeah. He was definitely juiced back in 98. He just wasn't juiced to the gills. By the time 2001 came around, he looked like a yeah. house. I'll never forget he got hurt one year and he came back. I'll never forget this. I was in my friend's father's car and we're listening to the fan. And they're saying how uh, Bonds got hurt in the first half of the year. He came back and played the last 40 games. And hit like thirty six home runs. It was it was two. Th- I'm sorry. It was nineteen ninety nine, the year that you're referring to. Yeah. In nineteen ninety nine, he played a hundred games. Like you said, he came back, and in those hundred games, hit thirty four home runs. Yeah. Which is like Judge just did that this year. Judge just did some yeah. crazy stuff like that this year. We're seeing something with Judge. That guy is is amazing. He's oh amazing. yeah, I mean, he, and you know. Although it's frustrating, maybe was granted captainship a little too early, just in the sense of these guys have to be winning. We can get into this when we yeah. get back. But for, for what it's worth, Judge is the best hitter that we've seen in Major League Baseball since Barry Bonds. I would say, mm-hmm. right? Trout, you could argue, might Pujols. be better. Pujols. Pujols. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. All right. Take it back. There's Pujols and I hate the Red Sox, but Manny and. I wouldn't put Manny over Judge. Miguel Cabrera Pujols was. Cabrera was a beast too, but but the last three four years that we've seen of Aaron Judge, really the last three seasons of Aaron Judge are better than Miguel Cabrera, yes, and are better than Manny Ramirez, and the only person that I put above him, like you said, Albert Pujols. But we're gonna go to a quick break. Hams Dave's in studio. We're talking the Hall of Fame ballot. We want you to join us. Find us on Instagram at the Ryan Show. Go to our YouTube page and subscribe, like random folks have been doing. At the Ryan Show FM. Go to Hampton State, slide in his DMs. Give him a good Please time. Do. We'll be back soon. Nobody go anywhere. This is the Ranch Show FM, and we shall return. It is finally that time of the year again, the time of the year that we can all get disappointed 
about our favorite players as kids not being eligible or making it into the Baseball Hall of Fame. A lot of people, Hamptons Dave, don't even take the Baseball Hall of Fame that seriously no. anymore. You can't. I mean, listen, you can't. At this point in our lives, with the players that we've seen, like, maybe, I like, Scott Rowland was, like, he was last year. I think he was last year. Lousy. I, that wasn't a lousy player, but that's a lousy choice. Like, he's like a last ballot of his chance, maybe got in. Scott Rowland was a great player. Like great, a great, great, great field. Probably the great best player. fielding third baseman yes. that we saw. Kids. Great player. Great player. I always liked Scott Rowland, but like, I feel like you're fishing now. Like, you're just like, you have these great players and you can't do it because of the tradition. And I understand that baseball is over every sport is the most traditional sport. It's like these baseball writers are still the same baseball writers that were watching, you know, Luke Garrick and Babe Ruth. Like, it's like these guys that are creationists. Yeah. The ones that were originally banning certain from baseball. They were throwing bottles at Jackie Robinson. (laughs) Literally. These are the people that vote for who goes into the Hall of Fame. Now, when you also think about it, Fred McGriff, I like Fred McGriff. I hated him when he was with the Braves. He always I always him. liked Fred McGriff. I always liked him every team he went to. Uh, to me, Hall of Famer. I mean, he's, yo, he was, if I didn't realize how great he was until I got older, because I just, I'm sorry, anyone that was on that Braves team couldn't stand him. They were rivals. He's got 500 or he's right under 500 home runs. I, I think he's under 500. I think he's like runs. four or something. But I looked at, um, he was consistently an amazing player yeah. on every team that he went to and was a part of that Blue Jays team. Yep. So, I mean, look, he, he definitely earned it. Um, not the, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think he was part of the Blue Jays team that won the World Series, but he was a beast on the Blue yeah. Jays. And everywhere he went, he was consistently good. So to answer your question, Fred McGriff hit a total of, uh, I don't know why they just wouldn't have it as one whole thing. 493 home runs. Yeah, I was going to say he was like 490. Yeah. I knew he was like, in the, I thought he was but, you know, I'm sorry. That's that's even a stretch. Like, look, great, long, consistent career. Played from 86 to 2004. But he never had a 40 home run season. Yeah. Where were the steroids, Fred? You know who everybody's doubting right now? Who's who that? I just heard? Uh, our Yankee. Stanton. Like, do you think Stan? To me, Stan's a Hall of Famer. That's crazy. Definitely not a Hall of Famer. Not if he ends his career right now. But I mean, he's got a hundred home runs. He can't even him. run. He can't even run the home plate. If he keeps going at a trajectory, if he starts to hit better, he's a Hall of Famer. He's the best hitter, one of the best hitters of our of this last era. He, when he was with the Marlins, was one of the best hitters of. I would even go as far to say one of the best power hitters of all time. But it wasn't long enough. It's the same thing you could say, like, say Pete Alonso right now no. started to fall off. It's totally it, different. It's comparable. It's totally different. It's totally different. So what let's just go, let's go, let's How many home runs does he have? Let's pull you the stats out. He had like 400. John Carlos had 400 home runs. And if it weren't for injuries, he'd probably be at 500 home runs right now. Yeah, so if he gets to 500, I'm sorry. If you hit 500 home runs in the MLB in your career, you're a Hall of Famer. Well, let's see if he does. And I'm not really against him. He's on the Yankees. Like, we want him to And be he's good. an MVP. He is an I'm MVP. Just... He is an MVP. And he did hit 59 home runs his last year that he was in Miami. But for what it's worth, dude, it's the same argument with Pete Alonso. If you look at the back of Alonso's baseball card, it's actually very similar. 
minus the batting average to John Carlos Stanton, who never even hit above 300, by the way. I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer just yet. I think, I think that if he's John gotta Carlos get to 500. Stanton, if he gets the 500 and if he, if he can hit above 200, let's start there. He hit, a, he hit 191 last year. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Like, maybe it's a little bit of my, uh, you know, frustrations watching him as a Yankees fan, but he's only been an all star one time. Since he's been on the Yankees, when we we gave up everything for this guy, I'm sorry, the amount of money that he's getting paid, he's been an All Star once as a Yankee. I rest my case. It's crazy. I'm not talking about his Yankees. I'm talking about his career. If he hits 500, John Carlos Stanton is a, is a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall well, of Famer. I don't even want to root against him and say any of this just because. You know, so I like side hmm. note. What I was just thinking about, I love what Cashman did, calling him out. Because it's either going to drive him away, or it's going to drive him to get back to, you know, it's time to get back in. You know, Rocky play the Rocky music, get a start. You know, get back in the in the in the workout. Start really get back to the basics and do what got you here. Well, I gotta disagree with you, Dave. I gotta disagree because the agent is shit. Joel, I think it's Joel Wolf. Yeah, is also Yamamoto's agent. And that's the one chance that we have to find another ace, essentially, when Garrett Cole rides off into the sunset. Yamamoto could be the future of that rotation. Yamamoto likes the idea. And you heard what he said. This guy came out and he was saying, oh, you know, essentially saying how hard the media is on everybody in New York. That's fine. That's why Cashman backtracked. I want to say like two days later, he had to backtrack and say, oh, I didn't mean it. Put on the kids' gloves. Yeah, but it's good. Wake up. Smell the roses. You're in the big city. For what it's worth, he hears it every single day from us, from us in the media, from people that are on the radio, television. But I'll tell you one thing. He doesn't shy away. He accepts it. He goes. That's what I'm saying. That's why, like, that's not the person to talk smack about. Like, it's he's completely gracious, humbled, says he's gonna work harder, do better, takes responsibility for playing like crap. And then you have some little dork like Brian Cashman with his little nerd glasses trying team, to criticize. I, I hate I don't Brian know. Cashman. I love I love my Yankees, and it hurts me to say this. I just feel like every player that comes to us gets worse. No, that now because of Brian yes. Cashman. But no, when we like, grew up, it wasn't always like that. No, you go I'm to saying the Yankees, that. I know that. I know that. I think that Brian Cashman is the is the problem, for sure. Is the problem? I don't think so. Absolutely. He hires a bunch of other little dorks. I think it's him. the coaching. So you would you would rather get rid of Aaron Boone? No, I don't think Brian it's Aaron Cashman. Boone. It's not the head coach. Really, is the hitting coach, the pitching coach, like down to the nitty gritty of actually like getting these guys to actually work on things. Like every technical part of people's games come to the Yankees. It's like they're like. like uh, what's his name? The first baseman, his, his name's um, Rizzo. Started out great, just slowly downhill. No, he had a concussion. The yeah. guy was playing with a concussion once again because of Brian Cashman's horrible medical staff. Well, that's another that thing he brought on. Medical staff has got to yeah, be like, they, that's all Everybody Cashman, gets dude. hurt. That's all Brian Cashman. Everybody Balls in your court, hurt. dude. It's Everybody up to you to, to hire the right people and put the right people around to bring in the right players. Some of this just takes a simple Google search. When you're training for guys that are hurt all the time, that's a that's a clear error by Brian Cashman. And you know, one thing that gets me too is they brought in the hitting coach for the, the team that hit worse. I mean, 
I don't I don't even know if they hit the worst, but I don't think they hit it at all. The Detroit Tigers. I'm willing yeah. to bet they were the worst hitting team in baseball last year. Yeah, and for some reason, right they there. bring on the hitting coach to be our hitting coach. Yeah, but sometimes it. The players, I get it, but it's yeah, like you can't put know. a bow on a pig and tell me it's gonna you know look like Sofia Verga. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But back to this uh, Hall of Fame ballot before, you know, I just get too upset about Brian Cashman. Man, that man just drove me crazy. Drives me crazy year after year. I'll tell you what, what. Before we get to the Hall of Fame ballot, what would make me get over my hatred of Brian Cashman? If they signed Yamamoto and if they made the trade for Juan Soto. Two things that should honestly have already happened. Like, what are we waiting on here? Why Juan, Soto, Juan, Soto is, Juan Soto is has to happen. Has to. That's the one, like... There's no way we can go into the next year. It's everything is lined up. It's every like every single you watch any TV show, you listen to any radio station, you listen to anything. It's all lined up that Soto is getting traded to the Yankees. Like, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Just get it done. We need him in the outfield. Need him in the outfield. And we need him there in the future because let's be honest, Aaron Judge gets hurt every year. As much as we love Aaron Judge, he's always getting hurt. We need somebody that's going to be there. He's the next A-Rod. We can get Mazda or Yamaha later. we got to get one. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yamamoto I, is an animal, and he he's going to either be a Met or a Yankee by the end of next season. That's I'd it. like him it's, to be, because I was a huge, I love Tanaka. Tanaka's one of my favorite. His Tanaka stats one in of Japan are better than Tanaka's, and, and, and better than Shohei's. It's In all fact, about, if you line it all up, he's the best pitcher to ever come from you, Japan. You and if he what? goes to the Mets. You know what, Tanaka? I know people will doubt that signing of Tanaka being great because we didn't do much with him or whatever. Check his stats in every single big game. He wanted the ball no matter what his season was. Tanaka never shied away from a big moment. Love me some love me some Tanaka. It's not, I miss CC. I miss Tanaka. I miss that. Yeah, that was a that was a great fun team. We are seeing Garrett Cole is like the best pitcher of our time, and it's like for what? With nobody helping him whatsoever. He's doing things like we haven't seen. Even the years where he we thought it was a bad year, like the last couple of years where the thing like Garrett Cole wasn't worth the money. He's given up some crazy home runs. Let's yeah, be honest. he did, but his numbers overall are still crazy since he's yeah. been a Yankee. That's true. And last year solidified it. Finally got a Cy Young, and it's like, for what? Like, we don't even care as Yankee fans. Like, yeah, we cheer you, but we don't care. Like, we didn't even make the playoffs. It's disgusting. It's embarrassing. With that but payroll. That being said, that, so that being be- said, A-Rod, first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, well, at this point, that's uh, impossible. But... If we look at the 2024 ballot, he is on here again. What was that? Jeff Bagwell, Hall of Famer. Jeff Bagwell, Ken Caminetti. Jose Canseco. I love Canseco. All right, so this year, (laughs) number one, and he's probably going to get in. He made it up to 72% last year. And remember, to get into the Hall of Fame, 75% of these racist Nerds from the 1920s need to vote you in. Todd Helton, 72.2%. Billy Wagner last year, 68.1%. And this one's kind of a bit of a stretch. He's in his seventh year on the ballot. Andrew Jones 
He was the one brave that I liked back in the day because he was a rookie. He was good. He was nice back in ninety six. I liked him as a Yankee. Another yes, exactly. He and came was, late in his career, but I liked Andrew Jones. He was just he was as a brave. He was the best fielding center fielder maybe ever. But didn't hit five hundred home runs. No, and only averaged two hundred fifty. But I think that's watered down. Like Todd Helton, I don't. Sorry, I don't look at Todd Helton as. Todd Helton had some years there. He Todd did. Helton was a beast. Billy Wagner, I don't really want in the Hall of Fame. Billy Wagner was an animal too. We forget Billy Wagner was one of the best closers ever. Yeah, we just didn't I because mean, of longevity. Comparatively, because of longevity, he pitched I mean, forever. He pitched to a two point three one ERA throughout his career. That's pretty damn good. That is. But you, but what you got to look at really is the war with a lot of this as well, and that is where Todd Helton is just so far and away. Um, you know, he's right up there and, and where he should be as hopefully a Hall of Famer in this year. So I don't know if you're looking. Are you looking at the list right now, Hamstead? No, I'm just thinking in my head. Of, I'm oh, going Manny straight Ramirez. off. I'm going right off. Manny Ramirez, first ballot Hall of Famer. There's no well, doubt We're about doing it. our predictions here. That's the whole reason why we're yeah. talking about this. So we got to give our predictions. I'll give you my first predictions for who's going to make it in the Hall of Fame. I'm going to go with Todd Helton and I'm going to go with Billy Wagner. I just think it's time. I think it's yeah, just too go hard. In. Billy Wagner is going to go in this year. I don't. I don't. I don't really think he should. I think he's just. Um, he pitched forever. But, I mean, I just don't. I don't. I don't like anybody being even remotely compared to Mo. Well, I've got another person here, which might take you off guard, that I think is, uh, you know, going to make it to the Hall of Fame this year, and that's Joe Mauer. I yeah, think Howard might be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'd have to see what his. Let me. I gotta look at what his. Uh, I gotta look nothing at what, spectacular, but he was a great catcher. No, and, he was a fantastic hitter, one of the best, and hit hit a three oh six average throughout his career. Yeah, but what were his best years? Can you get that? So Joe Mauer's like he had years where he was batting like three. 2330 three like no way higher like yeah his, his best year was 2009 in which he hit 365 yeah which is r- ridiculous because that was yeah. where batting average was a lot harder to upkeep and maintain it's just gotten harder and harder if yeah. you look statistically he got hurt his... he got hurt which killed yeah. his which like he got hurt right at the pinnacle of like where he was the highest. He he's not a he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't know. What I'm, no. talking. I'm looking now at his at his stats. I I don't even think that there is a first ballot Hall of Famer. If you're just no. looking at the back of their baseball cards right now, I like really maybe think you need first ballot Hall of Famer. You need Adrian be, Beltre. Maybe you need to be great for uh seven eight years. Great for about six seven eight years. I think personally, me. You yeah. have to be great and hold that. For six, and then have your you know other years. And that's not first ball. That's just a Hall of Famer. Um, Adrian Beltre, Hall of Famer in my eyes. I'm not sure about a first ballot over all those guys. In my eyes, Adrian Beltre is third base, one of the best hitters, clutch. And he was really great later on in his career. He was on so- winning teams. He was always on winning teams. We're going to list you the Hall of Famers this year. And we're going to let you decide who deserves to be 
in the Hall of Fame, but most important, who's a first ballot Hall of Famer? Because they're the most legendary. Let's be honest. So we've got Adrian Beltre. We've got Joe Maurer, Chase Utley, David Wright, Bartolo Colon. This is all this year? This is all this year, the new additions to the to the potential uh, or to the 2024 ballot. Matt Holliday, Adrian Gonzalez, Jose Batista, Jose Reyes. I don't know if I would say Jose, Jose. It's Jose, but he's not a Hall of Famer yet. Victor Martinez. James Victor Shield. Martinez was good. James Shields was good, but I don't think I'll, I don't look at that and see it. And Brandon Phillips. AJ and Beltre, definitely, I think. Um, this is a weak Chase, year for the Hall Chase of Fame. Chase Utley? I yeah, think, maybe for the Phillies Hall of Fame. No, Chase Utley was, was good, man. It was really good. He was he was great. He was great. Chase Utley was really good. David Wright, I don't see. I love I like David Wright. I didn't really ever like the Mets. Uh, Matt Holiday. Holiday was a beast. Years. Holiday was definitely like, a Hall of Famer. Carlos Beltran. It's like no doubt about it. Other than like he was what he was linked to. Carlos Beltran, I test young in his career was like one of the most exciting players coming up. Killed it with the Mets. Killed it with the Astros. Like, no way. First ballot, Hall of Famer, Carlos Beltran is one of the better players of our time. So you put him as a first ballot Hall of Famer? Easily, but he's not going to be because he's linked to steroids and he's linked to... Uh, cheating. Yeah, cheating. With the Astros. He, he took the whole full for that, too. Yeah. Like a despicable man of our time. I know you can love him all you want, but he's no good yeah, in my but I book. Mean, I mean, listen. I he cost us on, a World Series. I don't want to say this on air. You don't think he came over right the next couple of years and did that same thing? Who, you don't Derek think Cole? they were banging on trash cans? And, uh, like, in the Yankee dugout? He was, no way. If he's the brain of that whole thing. I don't know. I don't think he was really the brain of that whole thing. I think he just took the fall for it. We just never got caught. No. <laughs> <laughs> no I guess we'll never know. The banging. Listen, I played baseball when I was a first base coach. Or if I was on first base, I had a. I would yell if I could look at the. I'm looking at the catcher's hands. I'm looking at what he's calling, and I would either call your first name out or I'll call your last name out. If it's an off speed pitch, I'm calling your last name out. If it's a fastball, I'm calling your first name. I'm saying, "Let's go, you know, Ryan. Let's go, Ryan. Let's go, Ryan." If it's all speed, I'm saying, all right, let's go, Vernell. I up there, let's go, Bob. You know, like. Yeah, no, it's it's part of the game. They say if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And another saying, there's no cheating in baseball. But they were going crazy with the. Electronics. That's where yeah, you draw the line. Like, and the cameras in the center field wall and all that. And But where is there a gray area? You know, it's, it's you can't really I mean, determine it. I. I know this is way off track, but I want to bring this up real quick, too, because it's such a fantastic sports story. Carborough is about to get kicked out of Michigan because they had oh. that guy. Like, did you read into this story? This Just guy a was little a retired, bit. I skimmed the service. He's retired was military he, he was guy. getting jerked off or something by some type retired of Retired military guy turned vacuum salesman. They'd have him on the sidelines. He'd be right in the plays. On the sidelines of the other teams, no one else is wearing sunglasses. You see him just with sunglasses, with a recording mechanism in the sunglasses. Wow. Like right there on 
Like, yeah, you see him that's standing crazy. right next to the coaches, and it's like, who is this guy? Yeah, that's crazy. See, that I did not know. I got to look more at that. Wow. Well, that I guess it just goes to show a lot of these really successful coaches are taking it a step too far in order to secure the bag because the amount of money that these guys make when they win makes it all worth it. So if you look, Hamptons, Dave, there is one name on here that I'd like to see in the Hall of Fame, even though I can't stand tattletales, especially when you're snitching on my favorite pitcher, Roger Clemens. But Andy Pettit, it's now his sixth year on the ballot, and it's looking less and less likely. If, that he's if gonna Clemens don't get in, Pettit don't get in. If A-Rod don't get in, Pettit don't get in. So to make the case for Andy Pettit being in the Hall of Fame, besides the fact that you really can't count no, he should like be. That, Andy Pettit's a first ballot Hall of Famer if he didn't get linked snitch. to steroids. Yeah, and he exactly he did get linked to steroids. Yeah. But you know, people just take for granted a good ERA. If you look at a lot of the greats, they're not averaging some insane. Andy Pettit's greatness was he was great all the time. Postseason pitcher, best one of the best postseason pitchers ever. His postseason numbers are. Unlike any, which that Yankee team, they're going to have the best because they played more games and they were able to do more. Like, I, I still think Mariano should have been a perfect. I think Mariano should have been a perfect 100% votes in first ballot. He was uh, a first ballot, wasn't he? Wasn't he for 100%? Yeah. Jeter's the only, Jeter's the only person who's 99.9 or something. One, That's one. Right. One writer that wasn't it a Red Sox out. writer too? Who's the one person that didn't vote for Jeter yeah. to be in the Hall of Fame? Jeter always, but still, listen, I'm okay with Jeter not being a first ballot Hall of Famer. He was not the the best player ever. No, but he was the pinnacle of greatness. He was, but Mariano was, was the best player at his position, and is hands down ever. Like, if you're gonna go by position, and you're gonna go by player, and Importance of a team and importance of winning, Mariano was and should be 100% votes, get in, no question about it. Mariano was the best closer, not even close. Well, according to the people on Reddit, Hall of Fame voter Nick Canepa appeared to be the one person that did not vote for Jeter, not because he didn't believe he should be in the Hall of Fame, but because he didn't know he was eligible. So yes. what a way to blow it, if oh that is true. Yeah. That's according to the fine folks over at Reddit. So it could very well be a lie. But no, you, you're definitely right. Andy Pettit, if he's, uh, you know, it, it's looking less and less likely. Yeah, he's probably, they're, they're, in, none of them are going to get in. I'm telling you, none of them are going to get in. Clemens isn't getting in, none of them are getting in. Clemens got what, like seven Cy Youngs? Six Cy Youngs? Way before... He was winning Cy Youngs with Boston, having 21 strikeout games. Like He did. He won seven Cy Youngs. And yeah, Clemens, to me, is the best pitcher of all time. Yeah. Andy Pettit pitched to a 3.81 ERA with 183 strikeouts and 14 appearances in the postseason, which doesn't sound good when you compare it to the stats of the regular season, but that's because you're playing bums in the regular season. So to pitch to a 3.81 ERA with 183 strikeouts... In 44 appearances. Yeah, like, check other Against playoffs. the best players, and check he won. Check other pitchers and yeah. see how many playoff outings they have. Roger Clemens pitched to a 3.75 ERA with 173 strikeouts in 35 appearances. 
to a record of 12 and 8. Well, once again, that's why he's the best of all time. So Clemens was better in the postseason. Let us know what you think, folks. You're at the Ryan Shaw on Instagram and all along the boards. At Hamptons Dave, if you want to get crazy in the DMs. Uh, we'll be back at the same time at the same place next week. Love you guys. Over and out. Peace. <laughs>